Restaurant Unstoppable episode 942 with Chef Andy Husbands. You know, to have the best time possible is like you just kind of just enjoy it and you see the beauty in everything you do. And yes, are there things that sure I prefer probably not to do, but it's part of it. So you take it as the whole. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. This episode is brought to you by Restaurant Systems Pro, and they are launching their first time ever 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant System Pro software and setting up the systems for your restaurants. Fred will teach you recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit. Profit, more butts and seats, and that's not it. If you are interested in this, head over to www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. www.restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, the chef owner of the smoke shop, Barbecue Andy Husband. My man, Andy, are you feeling unstoppable today? Yeah, pretty much every day. That's, that's, that's kind of how we roll. Man, I'm super excited for this <laughs> conversation. Uh, you were episode 16. Uh, wow. I think this will be like episode 930-something. So Restaurant Unstoppable has come a long way since episode 16. I listened to that episode to get prepared for today's conversation, and you were such a great guest, man. Like You were clear and, and decisive with your answers. You had really great advice, and I'm super excited to kind of roll you through this new format and really pull back the layers on you because yeah. I know you got some good stuff in there. But before we dive into who you are and how you got to where you are today, mm-hmm. let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra what do you um, you know my, my uh, friend of mine owns a uh, consulting company um, uh, real food and you should talk to him uh, Ed Doyle just a great guy and you know he said something uh, which I really liked was uh, every day just a little bit better one mm, percent better every right day, and man. I just love that but I also tell you just personally um, my personal philosophy and I was speaking yesterday at Johnson & Wales uh, to some students, and I kind of talked a lot about this, was um, have the best time possible in all circumstances. Get into that. So, you know, often people are like, oh, well, well, what don't you like about your job? Or people, this is the best one. This, any restaurateur knows this. Oh, you own a restaurant? Oh, you must work a lot. What was the first thing you said to me when I walked in today? Do you remember? No. You're like, you must think I my life is different than what it is. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. You're like, I don't do much. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because like people think, like, oh, restaurant works so hard. It's like, I don't know. Is it? You know, I think nursing's hard. Uh, I think lawyer sounds awful. Um, right. So, you know, to have the best time possible is like you just kind of just enjoy it and you see the beauty in everything you do. And yes, are there things that sure I prefer probably not to do, but it's part of it. So you take it as the whole. The 3,000-foot view, you don't take it as like, oh, uh, you know, even my old restaurant, when I used to run my old restaurant, which was a single unit, I, I ran payroll. And that is not the most jazzy thing to do. But 
I loved it because mm-hmm. I loved everything I do and I make I enjoy everything I do. I, I just don't I personally don't understand going through life going, mm, I don't like this. It's like, well then don't do it. Did you always love it or did you have to learn to love it? Um listen, I, I had a crazy upbringing and um the you know, I wanted something and I really want something and, and maybe I didn't get it, but then I got something else. And so I was like, Okay, this is this is good for me then. Um you know, I moved a lot. And so, you know, that's hard on Military? a chat. Uh, no, rock and roll. Okay. Um, but similar. Yeah. <laughs> Without the rules. Um, but, um, you know, I just learned to kind of roll with it. And I got really good at it. And I think that was some good youthful training for me now, you know. Dude, I'm, I'm listening to this book right now. And it's called like the 15 Disciplines or the 15 um, something... Of course, the title is escaping me, mm. but it was referred to me, and it's about basically like these sixteen disciplines you need to have for for leadership. And like right out of the gate, they're just talking about just kind of accepting, like you can't control the universe; yes. you're a part of it. Mm-hmm. You're within it. You're like there is it is one, and you're on this journey. And if you try to control every little thing or try to be right, yeah, like that will consume you. And that's kind of what I'm thinking of. Yeah, does, that's, does that, yeah, does that yeah. sound familiar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, no, that, absolutely. You know, look, if you're trying to control everything, you're going to be really sad all the time. Yeah. yeah. It's just because it's not going to happen. Yeah. I'm sorry. Unless you're like, I don't know, in a, in, in, a, in a box painting, and even then it's difficulty. Yeah. Right? So. So when I last spoke to you, it was 2014. Yeah. Um, you were going strong with Tremont 647. Sure. Uh, you also had a, 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 a restaurant right next, or a bar, I should say, right yeah. next door. They were this. Same corporation, same so we yeah. market them as two different spaces, but really, the you same. shared the same kitchen, did you not? Yeah, it, it wasn't really sharing; it was really the same restaurant. Okay. It's just a, like you would walk into one and not know you've moved into it. One, you know, it was like our bar. Yeah. And we called it something different. One, I named it after my sister, and two, it was kind of a louder, raucous place, you know, yeah. especially at night. So, what was going on before then? What what got you to that point? Can you be more clear on that question? So. Let's go back, man. Like, like, what sets you up for success? To go get. I like. Yeah. I like to use this analogy, uh, the thirty thousand foot analogy. Let's get mm. in the airplane and zoom to thirty thousand feet. Yeah. Um, what got you started, and how did you get to that point? Because correct me if I'm wrong. Tremont was your first first restaurant. restaurant. And I yeah. had it, I had it for twenty years. Wow. By the way. Um, so I closed it in two thousand eighteen. So nineteen ninety eight. Nineteen ninety six. Sorry, six. Um, the yeah, it was December nineteen ninety six. Got it. Um, that's a great question. Let me think about how that. You know, I've been. I, I like to say it's luck, but it's not. Um, as much as I had a, a goofy upbringing, my father definitely instilled an entrepreneurial and, and work ethic in me. Um, I would disagree with how he went about it, but still, that's what he was, did. Was he in a band? No, he managed bands, owned okay. recording studios, owned punk rock clubs. Got it. Uh, crazy, like, end of 70s, beginning of 80s time. It was bonkers. I can't even tell you. We'd have to do a whole podcast on that. Um, but um, but he instilled this. this yeah, you know, he definitely. And so when I was young, you know, I wanted to have a job. And I got a job in a bakery. And um, I was 14 and I, and I loved it. I really enjoyed, and I, but before that, I enjoyed cooking. I always cooked at home. You know, I was what they call a latchkey kid, right? So no one's home. There was no parents around. And I made my own food. I, I, I learned to scrambled eggs. I, I learned to make donuts. I would pick up the joy of cooking and I would cook donuts. I loved watching Yan Can cook. So I, I had a background in food or an interest in food. 
Um, and I'm going to also tell you just to get kind of deep in my psychology is because I told you, you, I didn't necessarily, I needed structure. I knew I wanted structure and I knew I wanted family and not, I'm not trying to dig on my family. I have a great family, but you know, I wanted that, that, that people to be around family kind of thing. And, and that's what restaurants give you. They give yeah. you a family, right? So it's super cool in this really intense, fun environment. I worked in a lot of restaurants through high school, and I was lucky enough to, um, people just always helped me and, and, and wanted to teach me. And I, I was, absor- I would absorb it, you know? Were you showing an, a desire to learn? Yeah. I mean, that was the path I was on, and, and, and I would work really hard. Was, I, I liked it. I was, loved the, 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 the reward I got from working hard. Was there one person that sticks out in particular who saw something in you and kind of... Yes. I, I don't know if they saw anything in me, but I'll tell you that in 1986, I was working at a place called The Pillar House. If you're in the, from the Boston area, you would know this. This was a very famous restaurant where... Um, only open on... Uh, closed on weekends, by the way. This is the 1980s. No smoking. Um, very, like, pheasant undergrad glass. You know, I, my job was like shucking oysters and intermezzo and, and, and rolling um, truffles. Like, it was a very fancy restaurant. This is the 80s. And, Definitely um, heard of it. There was a, the, the chef was uh, Chef Alan Gibson. Unfortunately, he's passed. But, you know, I, I think I was making $8 an hour and I wanted to raise. And he, he's like, he's like, you're going to go to Johnson Wells. And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, I used to teach there. I'm like, cool. He's like, if you learn to dice an onion perfectly, and he's like, look at you. You're a mess. So if you can run a shift without <laughs> making a mess like you are now, I'll give you a 75 cent raise. And I was like, I, that was a lot of money. You know, yeah. so I was super pumped. And um, there were other, um, like, I think I think other people who had maybe just gotten out of Johnson & Wales, gotten out of school, and they were teaching me, and they would, you know, spend time, you know, and I'd diced lots of onions until I could do it perfect. And I think he wanted Brunois, right? So one-eighth by one-eighth, like a really perfect cut. And, and then I learned how to do it. And it was kind of like, you know, just I, I love that fatherly figure, right? I love that guy helping me out and, and challenging me. And I'm also very competitive. My family's very competitive. So um, I like to compete with myself, yeah. you know? So I just wanted to do better, and, and I loved it. Yeah. Um, I mean, just there's like an underlying lesson in here, too, uh, of this idea of if somebody comes to you for a raise, the answer is yes, but not right now. The answer is, like, here's what you got to do to get it. Yeah. And I think that giving people those those vertical channels of growth uh, within your organization or saying like, or building those like, hey, like here are the different price points uh, or the different hourly wages you can make. And this is what you need to know how to do in order to earn those sure. gives people that freedom to go. Right. So yeah. he was kind of doing that in a sense of like, yes, the answer is yes. And here's what I need from you first. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. And, 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 and it's so powerful. Why is that so powerful? I mean, for me, it's just I, I, I like the, the challenge and I, and I wanted the money, of yeah. course. Yeah. So. Um, I think people like to grow, too. Yeah. You know. Yeah, but I, I, at that time, I, you know, I didn't know that. I just wanted to do this. So then I went to Johnson & Wales, um, you know, culinary school. Um, I, I'm one of those guys who always rises to the top. So I don't know how to explain that and why. But I'll tell you, it happens to my sister, too. Yeah. Any business we work in, we end up becoming the top. And. um while I was at Johnson & Wales, two things happened. I worked on a place in, in Block Island. I didn't want to go home, and I, I, worked, in, I worked at a place called Block Island. And they, I, the first, and I was making salads. I hadn't worked a hotline yet. 
And it's the conundrum. They won't hire you to work the hotline until you've done it, but you can't do it until they hire you to do it. They fired the sous chef mid-shift and the chef who was the meanest man I've ever worked for. I, I love him to death, but he was off. He, was, he had some substance issues. Okay. Um, he, um, he's like, you'll do it. And I'm like, what? You'll be the sous chef. And I'm like, uh, and I'm very aggressive and, and overly confident, at least I used to be. So I'm like, okay. And so I learned to work the hotline and eventually worked my way up to being the chef, actually, of that restaurant um, years down. Um, so that happened, and that was just an amazing, even though this guy was crazy, it was the, I worked six and a half days a week for $300, and I learned so much in that time. I want to digress here. When we talk about Glad- Malcolm Gladwell, and we talk about the 40, uh, 40 thought, was it 10,000 10, 10, 10, yeah. hours to become an expert Outliers. in anything, right? So 10,000 hours, that means if you do 2,000 hours a, uh, a year, which is your average nine-to-five job, uh, that's going to take you five years. And I tell the students, you know, that I was speaking to you yesterday, you can do that or you can do what I did and double it. <laughs> do 80 right? hours a week. <laughs> yeah. Think how much I learned, right? Right. I, I, and I crushed it and I loved it and I learned so much. And so there's that growth at Johnson & Wales coupled with, there's a, a professor, his name is Dick Brush, um, hard name to forget. And he um, pulled me aside and he was like, look, you're, you're doing great. He's like, you don't even have to take the final if you don't want to. And I was a straight A student. And he's like, you don't have to take the final. He goes, but I want to give you some advice. He goes, you need to get involved. He goes, I, I, I know what you, you sit there and you're quiet in the back. You'll speak up when you need to, but you're not, you don't do anything. You don't join any clubs. You don't, you go to work and that's it. He goes, there's more to life than that. And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know what that means. He's like, you'll figure it out. Mm, what you, so I, I went to where I worked for a guy named Guy Abelson. And he was one of the owners. And I told him what, the guy, what my professor had said to me. And he's like, I got the thing for you. It's called uh, Share Our Strength, which is, many people know now is No Kid Hungry. Mm-hmm. And he was a board member. This is, again, in the early 90s. And he, um, he's like, you should do some charity work with, with them. And I've been involved with No Kid Hungry, Share Our Strength, for since then. So when since was the this? early 90s. The early 90s? Yes. So, I mean... Get involved. You need to get involved. What? And you said, I don't understand. And he said, you'll figure it out. Yeah. What have you figured out? Um, you know, I, I just think it's just understanding how big the world is and how much there is. And and, it, and for me, it was charity. I, I, I um, you know, I, I, and especially uh, hunger-related issues, especially for children, um, is, is something that I found kind of hit me in a core. I was a federally-assisted um child of a single mother for a while when I was a child. And by the way, I really don't want to make my childhood sound awful. I had a great life. But, you know, we had food stamps. And, you know, I'm fortunate now to eat whatever I want, whenever I want, as are my children. And I, um, you know, giving back, I think, is so rewarding and so important that we steward our neighborhoods, our community, that we play part in it, that we understand the, what, what we do and how important that is for everybody around us. It's not just about making money. Yeah, I mean, it's the the philanthropy of just yeah. being a part of your community yeah. and doing the right thing and giving of yourself. Yeah. But beyond that, there is also just getting involved. It's it's the relationships that are built in getting involved. Like yes. how many people have you met through Share Our Strength? Yeah, through Share Our Strength. I mean, I'm a vice president of the MRA, Massachusetts Restaurant Association now. Uh, just earlier today, I was meeting with uh, you know another person who owns a restaurant. Why? Just because, yeah. right? I try to grab coffees maybe once a week with different restaurateurs and people in the industry just to talk and 
what are you up to kind of stuff. But do you think the, that the message was, you'll figure it out, is the importance of networking, the importance of getting out there and being a part of things and in, in developing relationships? What do you think the underlying message was? I think he was, you're a smart kid and you need to go down this path yourself. It's not enough just to do the job. Yeah, I, I can't tell you because I don't want you to go do what I tell you to do or what I think you do, which I think is a really smart thing because most people have an agenda for you. Yeah. Right? Everybody, you, when you ask advice from people, they usually their advice is, is, is coupled in with, you know, their agenda. And so there's an agenda that's given. Well, he didn't give me an agenda. You know, maybe he loves, you know, maybe he thought I should join, I don't know, the Escoffier Society or something wacky yeah. like that, you know, and Instead, he, he kind of let me figure my own path, which also he let me do is, is, is make the decision myself, meaning I didn't have to do that, right? I could have said whatever, yeah. professor. Yeah, and I think also, too, when you do get involved with charities like Share Your Strength or whatever your philanthropic thing is, mm-hmm. birds of the feather tend to flock together. You're going to network with people yeah. who have similar values, who you know, and I think... Mm-hmm. There's in that one line, just get out there, get involved. It's it, there's so many layers to it, yeah. right? Um, awesome advice. So, I mean, you, you're dropping a lot of names on us. We had Nick Brush, you said get involved. Dick, the Dick Brush Dick was his Brush. name. Now <laughs> I understand why it's why you those, can't forget yeah, it. <laughs> I don't know. If, makes complete sense now. Um, you were at you did your you're doubling down on your 10,000 hours in Block Island, yes. Uh, this Two is the years early in the 90s, three yeah. within three years because you said in 96 you opened Tremont. Yeah. So oh, then, yep. So then, I actually traveled Europe for a little bit. Uh, just kind of. Why is that important? Um, it just got me. You know, look, I, I just went and did it with a buddy, and we just it opened our eyes to food. I saw food. I you know, look, and I was on a budget. A I was going to say this is after you went to college. college. Yeah, yeah right? so. you know, it was like a like a five month thing, but I was just like saw you know Italy and Greece and uh, just the food that I saw, even you know, Switzerland. Where we were everywhere, and it was just amazing. And, you know, we're eating, you know, peasant food. We're not, we have no, we have no budget. And then it was just really, really cool. I don't know, to open my eyes. When I came back, I was dead broke, owed a lot of money. My friend, Nick Zappia, who I had worked with at that same place called the Improv as in in Providence, not M as in uh, comedy. Um, I N as in Nancy. Anyway, um, this good, this guy had been the manager there. And then he became the manager of the East Coast Grill in, uh, Inman Square. It's no longer around, but this was this was a very important restaurant to the Boston scene. I could tell you at that time, you know, there was probably ten restaurants that were really important in Boston. It wasn't you know the scene was just coming, and he he was working there, and he's like, "You need to work here." Um, so I interviewed with Chris Lessinger. He's a James Beard Award winning chef, uh, author of the one of the most important grilling books. Um, and I'm now forgetting it. And I apologize. My mind is a little full today. We'll find it. Um, yeah, I'll get it in a second. Um, um, Thrill of the Grill, of course. It's called Thrill of the Grill. And it's an amazing cookbook. Even today, however many years later, it's, you should get this book if you like grilling. We'll have a link to it in the show notes. for. And um, yeah, buy it. Um, and, you know, I interviewed with him. And what was super cool was, you know, like, well, what do you want? And I'm like, you know, I want to sous chef job and I want this and that and I'm going to go what's important to me is that I'll have two days off preferably in a row because I've been working in places that were not doing that for me they said we will give you two days off in a row but we are going to crush you those other days <laughs> and I'm like bring it <laughs> and working for Chris Lessinger was he's my mentor 
or my D mentor. He is he's the man. Working for him is such an honor. I learned so much. It was such a great experience. I learned about myself. I learned about food. I learned about being a manager, about being a man. So many things from this guy. Um, he's just a great guy. And, so uh, what did you learn about yourself? I mean, let's really dive in. How, is it because he pushed you? Is that yes. what? I mean, I love the challenge, and I learned how hard I could work. And I knew I could work hard already at this point, but you know, I could do things. I, it was interesting. So I remember one time I was, I was furious at my sous chef. I was a chef at this point, and I'm like, because Chris had other restaurants, and he, I'm like, I don't understand my, my sous chef. He, he needed these days off. I'm like, I, why does he even need to take days off? I'm like, I, I'm like, I work all the time. And he's like, because not everyone's you. You're crazy. He's like, you don't want everyone to be you. It won't be fun for you. And um, and that's not how life works. And it was just like an interesting thing. I'm like, oh, oh, I get it. Like, yeah. Like, what was uh, the underlying message there? Um, what did you get? Be compassionate. Be empathetic. And try to understand that not everybody does what you do. Mm. I think that was kind of, you know, I was like, I was so focused on myself that I wasn't focusing on my teams. And by the way, now today with 200 employees, all I do is focus on my teams. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. That's live and die by the people that work with us they're so awesome yeah well i mean th- i feel like there's, there's such <laughs> a loaded like lesson or anything you say he helped you learn yourself by pushing you why w- how far did he push you give me an example of of what that extreme push was like um i got a little arrogant at one time and and i think a little that might be an understatement <laughs> And uh, he wanted me to do some stuff, and I was fighting with him and arguing with him about stuff. There was a couple things I was arguing with. With Chris. With Chris and, and his partner, Carrie, who is awesome also. These were just like my mom and dad. They were so awesome. And I, was in, and I got in big trouble, really big trouble. And basically, they came close to firing me. What would you do? It's just a, I mean, it's a lot of stuff. I mean, things like I didn't want to blanch asparagus because I thought that was stupid. And it is, by the way. I'm just going to tell you right now, there's no reason to blanch asparagus. You can just grill it as is. Um, I mean, that's how I do it now. Uh, I didn't want to work at his barbecue takeout. This is the one he'll never let me forget, by the way. Um, but yeah, I didn't want to work there. I wanted to be a fancier chef. Um, I didn't. There were some other things I didn't want to do. And the reality is, look, he's the owner and he's the boss and I need to do what he tells me to do. And, um, you know, he wanted me to grow. And I just so focused on what I thought I needed to do and I thought was important. What did you think you needed to do? Just like this was just a step in my stone and yeah. things. I didn't realize how important it was. I, I don't know what I wanted. I, I look, I was young and arrogant. And, I think it was ego, maybe. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And everyone's that's guilty. Ar- of that's this. arrogance. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I, uh, I almost got fired. And I remember going to this. There was a guy named Boone Pendergrass that worked there. I'm not making these names up, by the way. His name is Boone Pendergrass. And there was also Nick Zappia. And these guys said, hey, just listen to them. Listen to what they're telling you to do. Just keep your head down. Work through this problem. And I did for like five months. I just kept working hard, trying to get them back in their good graces. Everything I was doing, they were just nitpicking and writing me. And what they were trying to do was break me. And after five months, I went to them and I just said, I, I, I love you guys, but I can't do this anymore. And they're like, you've learned your lesson. 
and uh, everything. It was like the sun rose and everything was great. And I was back in good graces. It was the craziest time. But really, I had to learn a bunch of lessons. Main one is the owner is always right. Yeah. Um, and not, and I look, I don't, I don't want anyone to think I'm like, that means it gives the owner to be able to do whatever they want and treat you badly. That's not what I'm saying. But when they have a vision for their business and for you, you need to listen to them or you need to leave. I mean, yeah. that's kind of the thing. And, I just had to work out a lot of stuff and learn a better management style and be a better uh, team player. You know, instead of being the team leader, being a team player, even, you know, and, and I had to learn a bunch of stuff. And But all these lessons were, like, amazing as I moved on in my career. What's the difference between being a team leader and a team player? Well, a team leader should be a team player. Yeah. So what is a team player? That is understanding how everyone play works together in and out how everything moves together. It's like a symphony, right? Like it, if, if, if you think the guy playing the triangle doesn't, is, is shit. Can I swear? I'm sorry. Yeah. But like, do you think, do you think that? Because that triangle is pretty important. Yeah. I mean, when I hear that, what goes through my mind is getting everybody in the right seat on the bus. Yeah. And is, yeah. But just understanding how important everybody is, you know, everything dishwashers on up you want to wash dishes you know like and I'll, I'll wash dishes but it's just not you know it's understanding that everybody is important to this operation or they will not be there yeah so what time does the 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 conversation about Tremont 647 start to boil up? well what happened was I was uh, uh, so I so I think I stayed like six more months after that and then I gave a six month or maybe I, I stayed six more months and then I gave a six month notice and then I ended up leaving uh, and I moved to San Francisco and I worked in some restaurants out there. Um, You're in Santa Fe, right? No, yes, right. I went to Santa Fe first. I went yeah. to Santa Fe and I worked on a farm. Uh, that was awesome. And that was fun. That was nice just to get out of restaurants, but still work hard. Like I was up at four in the morning digging ditches and stuff. And Do you remember the strategy? What was going through your mind? What were you trying to accomplish? At that point, I was just trying to like get my, my act together. It was just like I had to leave. It was hectic. Like I was doing incredible amount of hours and probably drinking a little too much. Okay, I was going to say, it sounds like you do have your act together. It sounds like all you do is working at this point. Yeah, but I was going crazy. Okay. I mean, you work hard, you drink hard. It was yeah. a crazy time. Yeah. And um, you're still young at this point, too. How yeah, old are you? I'm like 24. Okay. Like that. Yeah. That's, that's the time for these 25. things to happen. Yeah. I mean, I was, <laughs> you know, I was just going at it and, you know, I was just going crazy. And so I, I wanted to take a break. So I worked on this farm for a while, which some people wouldn't think is a break, but I thought it was a break. It was a whole different world of working. And I, and I like working, right? So it was fun and digging ditches. And they had me cooking staff meal for the team. So I thought that was fun. And I got to see all these really new new ingredients, all these crazy beans this woman grew. And Osa root, oh, it's spelled O-S-H-A. It's like the sagebrush root, really cool to work with. Um, just fun stuff. And then um, I left. Then I rode my motorcycle to San Francisco, and in San Francisco, I uh, worked. Did you ride in- your motorcycle across the country? No, I had a ship to Santa oh, Fe. Okay. No, I'm not that ballsy. backbreaker. <laughs> no, yeah, it was hard. Yeah. Even riding to San Francisco was it was a oh, I bet. it was a lot. But um, sorry to interrupt. No, all good. Then I was San in San Francisco. Francisco and worked in a bunch of places, and I got a call to come home because uh, somebody wanted to sell me their restaurant. I don't want to name it, but it's still around. And I came back and, you know, talked to my buddy, uh, Chris Hart, who's uh, my best friend still to this day. And we went and looked at it and we didn't like the opportunity. Uh, it wasn't the opportunity we wanted. So I'm assuming somebody else bought it. Huh? I'm assuming somebody else bought it. Yeah, bought it. Uh, something like that. I don't know. Well, yeah. 
without naming the name, what wasn't right about it? I, I don't want to get into that. No? Okay. No, because it will, it will give to away gotcha. what it was. Uh, it's it. just, you know, I think reality is like life happens as it does. And, and you know, you one opportunity comes, you know, and another one, one door closes, another one opens. So yeah. Chris and I started looking and we opened up, uh, We uh, it's a long story how we did it, but we ended up opening up Tremont 647 at 647 Tremont Street at the ripe age of 26 years old. Wow. And... Um, Boy, did I learn what I didn't know. So th- this is something I was kind of hopeful for. And I love this idea of, you know, paying it forward. If somebody comes and they give you, uh, you know, 80 hours a week for however many years, mm. uh, that person's going to go on and do their own thing. Yeah. It's only a matter of time. Sure. Uh, so when you got called back, was it Chris calling you back yes. saying, hey, what was that narrative? Do I want to invest in you? or No, he called you? me back because he knew the guy. And he's like, okay. I got a guy that has an opportunity for you. Okay. That but, didn't work out. But, yeah. you, but you guys still... We're working on Tremont together. Yeah. Uh, so no, no, no. Sorry. So Chris Hart and Chris Schlesinger are two different people. Okay, got it. Got it. So, got it. so Chris Schlesinger called me back. That's my mentor. Chris Hart is uh, is my best friend. What was that last name? Hart. Hart. H a r t. So Chris. So you opened Tremont with Chris Hart. Yes. And Chris uh, Schlesinger. I'm not saying that correctly. Schlesinger. Schlesinger. Thank you very much. Um, he called you back for the opportunity. Um, so why did you stay back here? Well, I want to open a restaurant. Okay. I, said, I'm like, I might as well back. Might as well open a restaurant. Yeah. What, Now's what, the time. Why Boston? Well, I'd already made my name. People knew who I was. And that, that makes fun. You got fun. involved. Yeah, I got involved. <laughs> I was doing all yeah. sorts of stuff, right? I was with Sheriff Strength. And I just, you know, the Globe was writing about me. I was, you know, notable. Yeah, I think that's so important. If you're going to open a restaurant, you got to have roots, man. Yeah. you got to be able to, because it's going to take a team, like you point out, the, the importance sure. of a team. And how? You're going to go start from scratch on the other side of the country, building a team, building a network. Yeah. How many people that you hired for that, that, that first wave of employees were people that you worked with? Yeah, most of them I knew. I had known or you know, knew them from working. Yeah, I knew most of the people that we hired. You yeah. need that support. You need that around you. I needed it. I didn't know anything. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, opening this restaurant, knowing what you know now, hmm. restaurant touring, uh, over th- what? This is 15 years or 25 years later? My math is horrible. Sure. But it's approximately 25 years later. Yeah. Reflecting back at this process of, of, of creating Tremont mm. 647, like what, what do you know now that you wish you knew then? God, I know everything. <laughs> I mean, look, I owned Tremont 647 for 20 years. It's crazy. So I like to say that I got my master's and now I'm working on my PhD. Okay. I know more about restaurants than I can even imagine how much I know. Like it's hard for me to remember everything. But what it is, and if we want to talk about present day, and I was trying to explain this to the uh, kids, but they had never seen The Matrix. Have you seen The Matrix, the movie? Yeah. All three or four now? Well, I'm just talking about the first one. Okay. Um, the first one. Well, you know, at the very end where he sees the numbers running down the yeah. walls and he realizes he's the one. I'm certainly not saying I'm the chef by any means or the restaurateur. That's not what I'm saying. But uh, what I'm saying is when you get really good at this game, you understand a P&L statement, profit and loss statement, intimately. And so you know it so well that you are living and breathing it. And it's, so here's the deal. Restaurants, you can make good money in restaurants. But that's not what it's about. It's about primarily or firstly hospitality. And as a chef, I will tell you, hospitality trumps food all day long. So it's about hospitality and food. When you walk in a restaurant and you know this PL intimately, 
it's like the numbers rolling down the walls. You understand every single thing that you see and feel. You see the lights. You feel the heat. You feel the air conditioning. You see the crack. You see a broken glass. You see it all happening around you, and you are understanding. And you see the customers, and you see them paying. And you see and you understand every single little thing that's happening on that P&L statement as you're walking through a restaurant. It's hard to explain, but it's this crazy energy vibe that you are able to kind of understand how it all flows together. And that's that's what I've learned in 20 years. <laughs> how do you unpackage that, right? Uh, but <laughs> I think actually now is a great time to take our first break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be right back to talk about the evolution because it didn't start with seeing the numbers, the zeros and the ones. You had to get there, yeah. right? We'll be right back. Recently on the show, you've been hearing it come up often. Restaurant Systems Pro. If you've become interested, I highly recommend you sign up for the Restaurant System Pro 60-day pilot program. This is something that's never been done before. This 60-day event is at no cost to you, but it's not for everyone. Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurant tours through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. We are back. And you just painted this beautiful picture of how when you've been doing this for 20 plus 25 years you just you you become a master and now you're working on your your phd right um so reflecting back at some of the the things you didn't master right away Mm. you know uh that the first couple years of you know every master was once a disaster can you think of the things that you didn't do well that you that that you corrected what were those major things (laughs) i didn't do everything well first of all i thought it was all about the food and and, 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 you know, I'm still young, 26, and, like, I'm so focused on the food. And, of course, I cared about hospitality, but I thought the food was more important. Um, you know, I had to learn so much. I mean, how a restaurant runs and the numbers, you know. You know, I was a chef of a restaurant for a while, and I thought I knew everything. But you, as an owner, is a total different game. And, and, and there's so much more responsibility and things you don't really realize or think about. But what's really cool is I've always had good people around me. So... My partner, Chris Hart, who I actually bought out after a year, but he was still around. So after a year? Yeah, about a okay. it was, yeah. the game wasn't for him. 
So he, um, but you know, he's been uh, you know a good good person to give me advice. Um, what was he doing? What was his story before? He'd uh, been in restaurants and stuff okay. like that. He was but, a restaurant guy. Yeah, that and tech, and that's actually what he went into is tech. Um, he's very successful in that area. Crazy how those two worlds are merging right now. Yeah, totally. Um, and so, um, you know, I, I mean, I had to learn so much. Uh, team building, um, which I'm very good at. That's what I like to do. Um, but, you know, all, food costs and all that stuff. I mean, I knew that stuff, but it's just really to learn it intimately. You so know? when you say team building, are you talking about literally putting people? Yes. In the seats? right people in the right place. Okay. Making sure the right people are in the right place. And secondly, part of team building is, is building each member up. You know, we really focus on that now. You know, the, the question we want to ask people are, how are you? Do you have everything you need? And what's next for you? That's really important to me. One more time. Say Ready? it one more time. Yeah. Okay. So here's here's what's in, what we do now. How are you? Okay. Do you have everything you need? And what is next? Okay. Why? Let's break these down because mm-hmm. this is gold. What you're giving this is <laughs> this is team building. So the first question I have for you is like you're, you're putting people in seats or you know you're getting them on your bus and then you're putting them in the right seat. Yeah. So. Let's start there and let's round off with what the, the second part that you share with us. When you're recruiting people, how are you how are you pulling people in? Are these the questions you're asking when you're recruiting them? Well, let's be clear, I don't hire. Okay. When, when <laughs> at one point did you? Yes, of course. Okay. I hire the executive team. We have you know we have a, a big big group here. Okay. But um, you know, you know I, what's important is, is is to make sure your team is, is safe and happy. So how are you? That's what that question's about. Yeah. Right? And, and that's, a, that's a question about work, and that's a question about home life. That's a question however they want to answer it. Yeah. Right? You want to touch base with people. You want to you know, know how, how they're doing. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that should just be easy. That's I mean, the easy part. Yeah. The, do you have everything you need for your job, or do you have everything you need, is a tough question. And some people won't answer it. And some people will give you way more information than you ever wanted. And sometimes... You can't fix that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and that's that can be a challenge, but you need to hear it and you need to hear about um, if you start hearing it multiple times and you know it's a situation, you know, whatever it is, this printer keeps breaking. That's a simple one. Mm-hmm. But let's say it keeps breaking and, and, and you have to dig deep and sometimes there's financial ramifications in that. Right. So um, I don't know if you just heard what I was having a conversation with uh, Mateus, who's our you would call him culinary director. We call him Dobo, director of barbecue operations. Um, he's telling me I have an eight thousand dollar electrical fix I need to do, and so, um, but we got to do it. Yeah, you know. So, uh, so, so, would you have everything you need? That's a big question, and and, and you want to hear it. You want to hear it multiple times, and then what's next? And you had mentioned about you know people are going to move on, and we know this, but maybe the, we 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 love to hire within. So if we can get somebody who. Uh, is uh, wants to you know I'd like to manage you know yeah. like great let's let's we're gonna set up a meeting with you and we're gonna create a, a you know a six month and a one year path for you let's get you on because we're growing I'm opening up one building one in Eastie right now we have uh, five locations of build, building my sixth right now um, you know we'll see what else comes and um, but some people are just like you know what I'm going to law school and this is great I'm gonna I'm gonna you know I'm gonna cook or I'm gonna wait or whatever I'm gonna just keep doing this this is great and uh, and then I'm gonna be a lot great. You know, well, let me know if I can help you. There's so much running through my mind right now. I just want to reflect on these three things again. How are you? Do you have everything you need? And what's next? When I hear about how are you, it's literally Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Do you, are you secure? Are you okay? Mm-hmm. Do, like, 
do you, are you in a good place to, to exist within these four walls? Because yeah. we need you to be in a good yeah. place. And now what can I do to make sure you're in that good sure. place? And then what do you, or do you have everything you need? The, it's our job as owners and leaders mm-hmm. to, to serve those that, I, I don't want to say below us, but above us, because you want to—it's that vertical, that that flipping that hierarchy, sure. right? And, and I, 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 I think a lot of people don't ask that question because mm. they don't want to hear the answer because it means work or money or money. Yeah, exactly. Sure. Uh, but why is it so important that we make sure everybody has what they need to do their job? Because then they can't do their job exactly. if not. Exactly. And and also sometimes sometimes they have a better way. Mm-hmm. You know, you know who knows how to do their job the best? The people who do it. You know, so like sometimes they're like. This is not working. We've got to do it this way or whatever it is. So, But by asking the question, you're opening up the, the door. You're opening the mm-hmm. dialogue for sure. room for, one, you said, a little bit better every day, yeah. right? How do you find out? By talking to the people that are in it every day. How can we like, do everything you need? Can we be doing this better? Sure. What does that look like? You've got to open yourself up to it. And by asking, you're opening those doors. And then lastly, Hopefully. what's next? People need to grow. Mm-hmm. People need to feel like they're growing. And you need to find out where they're going. Maybe, like you pointed out, that's not with you. That's them going on to something else. But now you know that they're interested in legal. Now you know they might be interested in photography or whatever their yeah. interest is. Mm-hmm. And you can leverage that. You can sure. give them those verticals with growth, for growth and their passion sure. under your four walls sure. or under your roof, right? Mm-hmm. What's going through your mind? I mean, I don't know. We're just trying to build a team. You know, yeah. I'm not, so, so some of the stuff, like I'm not necessarily, as I told you, I walk in and I feel the P&L. It's like this is just how we do it. Mm-hmm. So... We're not, uh, I'm not always deeply thinking about, you know, plotting how to take over the world. I'm more just kind of like treating people like human beings, Mm -hmm. you know, empathetical management. Yeah. I'm looking at the clock. I want to make sure we talk a lot about what we got going on now with the smoke shop. Um, So 19, was 19, or sorry, 2018 (laughs) was when you closed? uh, 2018 was when I closed the but There was two two year overlap. I owned my first smoke shop in 2016. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, the first smoke shop, 2016. Yes. Was the plan to always close Tremont? Were you trying to make by yes. opening the smoke shop? Yes. Were you making that transition? Yes. So take us to that frame of mind. Yes. Um, Let me tell you what happened. So yeah. You understand. First of all, you tried doing something for 20 years. You tried right. doing the same. I've been thing. doing this for almost 10 years. And I 20 years. Yeah. 20 years in the same building, changing the menu every two weeks. Look, I'm not trying to. I love that job. Uh, I built that job. That was great. Changing um, the menu every week. Every two weeks. Every two weeks, still. Something like that. We may have slowed down toward the end. Um, we kind of started off as a very cutting-edge uh, restaurant and one of the kind of hot restaurants. And toward the end, we were more of a great neighborhood restaurant. And I was fine with that. And I made money on it. It was a good good job. To be quite candid, if this is people that like restaurants, I will tell you why I... Why I, I, I knew... Look, I'm I'm in my at that point I'm not in my fifties yet, I'm in my forties or late forties. Uh I am married at that point. And um I want to have kids, which now I have four year old twins. Um I wanted an end game. Doesn't mean I want to quit. Doesn't mean I'm done. We all know I like to work, but I wanted an end game. Mm-hmm. And, and as you get older you don't see forty year old men or women, you know crushing in the kitchen those big hours and I wasn't really doing those hours anymore um, I was more kind of restaurant tour at that point but I wanted to do something new so there's a couple things one I wanted an end game meaning I, I want to retire sometime restaurants sell let's just talk about that for a second restaurants sell for um, the past 
generally a restaurant in Boston will sell for 25 to 30% if you're lucky um, of the sales around there. Okay. Annual Maybe sales or less, yeah. you know, or less, by the way. So there's that. So if a restaurant does hypothetically, you know, easy math, $2.1 million, it's going to sell from, if you're lucky, $700,000, probably more like $400,000. So that's, that's your end game. You've saved some money, yes, throughout your life. But $400,000 is, is not, not the last. Yeah. You'll not see. by today's standards. You'll see. Yeah. So where brands sell for the future. Mm-hmm. Two times, three times the sales. So I kind of, I feel like I might have an understanding of what the answer may be, but I just want to make assumptions. So why couldn't you do that with Tremont? Tremont was not built to to multi unit. Okay, why? Well, first of all, the name was the location six four seven Tremont Street, Um, and it was just too goofy, too funky, too like changing all the time. It just, you know, I would have had to refine the brand. And and let's be clear, I was bored. Mm-hmm. I had done that for 20 years. And I, and I don't want to say that like I found it boring, but I was ready for a new challenge. Mm-hmm. So this was a little about me. I wanted a new challenge. This guy, Dutch, he's a real estate guy, brought me in. He's like, I want to talk to you about new spaces. And I came in and I'm like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to talk about new spaces. I don't want to raise the money. I don't want to. He's like, let's just talk. And so we talked. And he's like, you should talk to Brian, my partner, my now partner. And I'm like, I know Brian. Let's talk. And we sat and talked for about four hours about what we would do. And, um, you know, I wanted to open up multiple units. That was the challenge I put forth myself. I wanted to do multiple units. I thought that sounded fun. And... Um, Brian looks at me and goes, you want to do this after this four-hour meeting? And I'm like, sure, let's do it. And, um, I mean, it was honestly on a handshake. That was it. So did you already have the vision for the smokes? No. It was going to be a, it was going to be an izakaya. Okay. Japanese pub, which you should ask me, what do you know about Japanese pubs? I'll tell you what I know. I love to go to them. <laughs> um, and I, it would have been really wrong had I opened a Japanese pub. Why? Because I don't know how to cook it. It's a super historical, um, you know, cuisine that you really want to honor. And I don't know if I would have done a good enough job honoring it. Okay. And, I, and I'm really, I'm a student of food history and I, and, I, and, and, and I don't know enough about it. I would have had to do kind of like Japan. And I, and I don't want to be that guy who, you know, some white guy goes to Japan for six months and comes back and opens a Japanese restaurant. Like that's the world assimilation, not assimilation. What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, when you take somebody else's culture and you profit off of it, there's a word I can't, it's escaping my mind. Okay. Uh, Give you me know, a second. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Uh, it's just a bad look. Yeah. So I don't need to do that. Um, and, you know, so it just wasn't a good appropriation. Thing. Yeah, appropriation. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah, appropriating. Yeah. And it's usually when a dominant, when a dominant um, uh, group takes over. So appropriation, like we wouldn't necessarily appropriate France because they would say the whites are dominant or someone would say something like that. God, don't don't send me emails about this. But yes, that would be appropriation. It's just a it's a bad look. And look, I love Izakayas and, and and just some people do real good stuff, but I, I don't know that I would have done a good job doing it. My partner, so we should back up back in nineteen eighty seven. No, sorry, nineteen ninety seven, ninety-eight when I, I had bought out Chris Hart. We didn't talk for about a year, it was like a divorce. Him and I started competing in barbecue competitions. It was our way of building our friendship back. And we did that, and we built a team. Guess who built that team? 
Um, and uh, brought in some people that I knew and uh, Chris Hart's brother so I can't, can't claim that I brought him in but uh, <laughs> a bunch of other people uh, Ed Doyle who I told you was on, uh, uh, has a real food, real food consulting which is an uh, amazing company um, we've got a guy who's a, a photographer a famous photographer Ken Goodman anyway a bunch of people of us got together and we started competing and it was a bunch of friends a lot of bourbon a lot of cussing a lot of competition like a weekend of fishing with your buddies and we, 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 we sucked and we lost. But um, going forward, we decided we wanted to win. And we're led by Chris Hart. I should mention that I'm not the lead cook here. The Chris Hart is. Um, and we, um, we really, uh, we, 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 we practiced and practiced and tried and tried. And eventually, we became the first non-Southern team to win the World Championships wow. of Barbecue. Yes. So How many years did it take you to showing up to do that? Oh, 15 years. Uh, yeah, maybe 12 years. If 12, that's not inspirational, man. I don't know what it you is. You know, so, so and, 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 and along the way, we, and, and barbecue is way more than just food. It's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's a way of being. Someone will go, well, that guy's barbecue. Yeah. Like it's, and, and we, we learned so much about barbecue and barbecue history and, and the people around it. And, and it's just an, an amazing culture and, and family. Like I have barbecue family across, yeah. across the world. You make me think of Amy Mills right now from 17th street barbecue. I'm sure you know that name. Uh, her father was a legend. His first name is escaping me right now. Mike, the legend. Mills. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, but what, what I pulled from that conversation was how generous people are with their knowledge. Yes. And you said barbecue is its own culture. And that's what stands out to me is how willing people are mm-hmm. to give away their that's trade right. secrets. Yeah. Why, why is that so powerful? It's just family. Mm-hmm. It really just comes off as family. And by the way, uh, Peace, Love, and Barbecue, I'm in that book. Oh, and yeah. uh, on my shelf at home. Amy Mills wrote the foreword to my best-selling book, uh, Pitmaster, which we sold over 100,000 copies. Um, so I'm, I'm very familiar. I know Amy really people. well. She's she's a big part of my family. I go teach at her her classes that she has and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, so like my partner goes, "Why aren't we doing barbecue?" And I'm like, "I never thought of that." And, he, and I'm like, "I don't know if I want to do that because that's what I do for a living. I mean, that's what I do for my fun." And I'm like, "So I'm like, give me a couple of weeks." And there's also some technical issues about barbecue that I wanted to resolve. Um. And so I, uh, I thought about it for a little bit, talked to my wife a little bit, and I'm like, let's do it. And he's like, all right. And then we've been opening up one a year. I serve 10,000 people a week. You also bu- wrote six of your own cookbooks, right? Yeah, I've written um, six cookbooks. When my, was the first one? First one was Fearless Chef. That was, that was at Tremont. Then um, back, uh, Wicked Good Barbecue, which is actually the recipes of how we won the world championships. Wicked Good Burgers, Grilled to Perfection. And it took me four books to write a really good one. That was Pitmaster. Okay. That's my fifth one. Then my, my last book, and if you want to write this down, folks listening at home, here's some important knowledge to know. It's not really good to write a book about large parties and family gatherings before a pandemic. Mm. It won't sell. <laughs> so we, we launched it in 2020. Unless you're in, in Texas. <laughs> in, in February, we launched it, and then, we, then the pandemic happened. So large party dining didn't quite work out. It's still a great book, Backyard yeah. Barbecue. It's a recipe yeah. from around here. Mm-hmm. It's great. It is, it's, it's a great book. But, so uh, the point I'm trying to make is that your passion is clearly, even from your first book, which technically bar- burgers aren't barbecue, but it's open Live fire, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, yeah. Um, but it, it seems like this is the clear passion. Yes. Like from an, so like, is the lesson lean, like, lean into your passion? Yes, but sometimes it's hard to know what you're passionate about. It's hard to know. I mean, like, you know, yes, okay, I love collecting stamps or what have you. Not me, but, you know, like, yes, but it's, 
live fire cooking is all, but that's where East Coast Grill, that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and, and that my, I'm a trail master of some live fire cooking, so I've always been in live fire cooking. And the barbecue is also live fire cooking. So, yes, that is something that, uh, you know, yes, lean into your passion. And, and, and I'm very passionate about it. And I just wanted to make sure that, you know, I didn't want to. I wanted to make sure I was comfortable with it because it is something that I do for fun and I didn't want to like goof that up. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, what I really did was I took on a challenge in opening multi-units. That's the challenge. That's where I get my PhD. Opening multi-units is, 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 is incredibly difficult. Yeah. If I could go back, and, and I'm not a guy who regrets anything, by the way. I, you know, I, I like when I make mistakes, I own them and I move forward. But... Boy, would it have been nice if I'd worked a couple of years at the Cheesecake Factory or something like that. Because <laughs> those, you know, uh, those multiple unit guys, they, they, boy, do they know their stuff. Yeah, specifically what kind of stuff that you just need. how to run multiple units. It's 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 a whole different game. Uh, it's hard for me to explain what what the game is about because it's still about hospitality, it's still about food, but it's about teams and SOPs, there right? Those kind of things. You know, a lot of acronyms. That's it's, it's a, about it's, acronyms. It's a tough game. You're right, but you know what else is a tough game? Mm. Recreating a menu every two weeks, mm. <laughs> sort of. You know, yeah. like, you know. I mean, it is. You know, so it's, it's a different piece. Yeah, it's a whole different world. It's all about food, but you know, it's it's totally different. But why can't you scale that? Why can't you scale a two, new menu every week? What's? I have thoughts, but you can't scale. You, you need the you need you need the technical staff. I mean, it's 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 it's, it's a people dependent organization. Yeah, it's really difficult. Where here, it's and the more, talent of, and the creativity of people. Right? Sure, you can't scale that. It's challenging there are people, <laughs> there's people who can do it i mean yeah, there's some it's not real, easy though. some top of the game stuff but it's uh yeah i mean this is a whole new challenge for me i'm loving every minute of it yeah. it's so cool i mean i've seen a lot of people who come from the world of fine dining um and realize just how much how 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 hard it is to keep that consistent right or high touch dining or in the sense of recreating a menu every week right that that world um what does barbecue offer that is a, an advantage to trying to open multiple units. I don't know. I don't know what it, I, I'm not sure I can answer that, but I will tell you this. The barbecue is the, this is uh, kind of paraphrasing Tuffy Stone, who's a, an amazing barbecue uh, champion. Um, barbecue is the friendliest food out there. It's the food of family gatherings, celebrations, get togethers. It's such a cool cuisine where how fun it is. It's scalable because we're able to we I mean, we smoke at every location, but we're it's it's not like cooking a hundred steaks a night, right? We're cooking twenty to thirty briskets. We're cooking a, m- more weight and but less reps, if that makes sense. It's a volume game, yeah. Um, and I think that have you, have you changed your recipe much over the years? A little bit, and we we're developing like we started rolling out LTOs, yeah, limited time offers for those of you who don't know, yeah. So we're kind of rolling out those, which are fun and. Learning how to get better at what we do. A lot of it is really just learning how to get better at what we do and doing it really well. But once you figure out the better way, you can create a system around that or a Hopefully. process. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the kind of the point that I'm, I'm trying to make. If you keep, if you just focus on doing a few things really well, then you can constantly evolve those things. And then you can be, become dependent on systems and processes, not people. Yes. Because, I mean, not to say that smoking's easy. That's definitely a skill set you have to learn, mm-hmm. right? But you can train somebody to do that. And yes. what's going through your mind as you're shaking? I don't want to put too many words into your mouth. You can train people, but it's like trust and verify. You, you know, you really need to be all over it. It's not easy. And, and I think, you know, it's easy making mediocre barbecue. 
Mm-hmm. See a lot of people do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, being top of the game, we're best of Boston four years in a row. It's a challenge. You oh, know? Yeah. Like it's it's a challenge. And what's even more of a challenge is that we grow every year. So now we have a a bigger team to 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 to, to, to run this. It's, it's just a super hard. So you're working on, like you said, getting this PhD on <laughs> in multi-unit operator. Yes. Uh, being a oper- multi-unit operator, what were the biggest pivots in like evolution you had to go th- through over the past four years to get to that? Uh, one of the biggest ones for me personally was to learn my job. What's your job? Well, I live in the future. Okay. Right? So I'm way ahead. I'm six months from here. I'm trying to figure out what we're doing in six months. And I don't mean necessarily growing. Sure, um, you know, we were building a restaurant. Now we'll open in six months and we'll have to do a bunch of stuff there but that's that's not that's we already know how to do that what's our marketing strategy what's the plan right, right. what's the plan what are we going to change how are we going to grow how are we going to be better costs buying things i had to learn but for me i had to learn my job and so what i did was i felt i wasn't doing a good job after two units and so when we got to three units is when i knew i wasn't doing a good job so when, when did you go to two to three units Every year we've opened one. So whatever so that is. Today there's a total of five. We're five? building our sixth. Okay, got it. Um, and this is this is like the stuff I love to get into because as you scale, as you mm-hmm. get bigger, you, you encounter new problems. Yeah. So I was, I was struggling. We were struggling and I was trying to figure out why we were struggling. And I could tell things weren't going as well as I wanted to. I could tell the communication was bad. I could just tell we weren't flowing the way you know when a restaurant flows. And, and, and we were, it just wasn't, it was a little harder than it should have been. Okay. And I was trying to figure that out. And I knew the, I knew I had to look in the mirror. Like I often, it's, you know, look, I, it, we didn't even mention that I've had two restaurants fail miserably, mm-hmm. right? Hundreds of thousands of dollars lost. Um, and, you know, when that happens, you know, a lot of those people will blame somebody else. But I, I'm responsible. It's extreme ownership. You know, like, look in the mirror, it's me. So I knew we weren't doing well. One of the things I found interesting, I'm going to digress, is that when we opened our third one, people said, I would see comment cards like, yeah, this one, is, this one isn't as good as that one, or that one isn't as good as this one. What weren't you doing well? What, what, well, we, we, weren't, we weren't being consistent. But, but my point is, is that people started comparing us to us. And I was like, oh, I never thought of that. Mm. So like, okay, so I knew our consistency wasn't good. And I was like obsessing about barbecue sauces and obsessing about so many different things, trying to control all sorts of stuff. So what I did was I met with about five different people and I asked them a lot of questions. Five different people who do what I do. Joanne, Joanne Chang from Flower. Um, a couple, I don't want to name everybody that I, I met with, but a bunch of people and just said, how do you do your job? What's important to you? You know, what, what do you do all day? When do you go to work? How long do you work? What was the consensus? Well, they're all different. But one of my favorite ones is uh, a guy I met from Legal Seafoods. I don't think he's there anymore, but he's a higher up at Legal Seafoods. And he was talking to me about motion equals waste, which I loved. Emotion or motion? Probably both, but motion. Yeah. Motion equals waste. So he's like, I stay in one location maybe for a week, but at least a day. So you know, it doesn't, doesn't do anybody any good for me to drive between restaurants. Like that time is wasteful. Um, and you can go to the minutiae. Here's a tip. So when you have, let's say, um, people cut fish and they put it in a fish flat, right? One of those big blue plastic tubs, yeah. blue tubs, right? Now you're working the line. You're out of fish. You need to go back. You got to get your third, so the third pan. You got to fill up that third pan and then you got to come back. 
He's like, that's so wasteful. He goes, first of all, if that when that person leaves the line, they're not doing what they're paid to do, which is cook. So that's one. Two, you should have them all set up in uh, third pans already. So he can, or she, can go back, grab that third pan and run back. Just drop it in. Right? So yeah. there's a little aha moment. So like things like that. But or in for, the low boy, right? Yeah. We, but you may not have room, right? Yeah. So they're able to get that. Or somebody else can run and get it for them. But motion equals waste. I thought was really interesting. Um, you know, Joanne Chang's big, big, big focuses on her team. Um, is the translation also just time is money? And if you're if you're paying people to to move food around, then that's just not efficient. Sure. use of their time. Yeah, sure. But I think motion equals waste. I thought was really good. Like, yeah, you want people to stand in one place and do their job. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I learned a bunch of stuff in different ways of different things. I also started looking at our executive team and realized that. I had stacked the team with people like me, single restaurateurs, single single operators, not restaurateurs, operators. Single unit operators. Yes. And I'm like, oh, we need to change this. And we brought in this one woman. First person we brought in was uh, Amy Magner. She came from Back Bay Restaurant Group. And man, did she just change how we started. She just came in and just how she just goes around talks to everybody and like communicates with the team and builds the team up and she does such a good job real people person that was great then we brought on uh, Mateus who you saw earlier our director of barbecue operations and you know he came from Cheesecake Factory Max Brennan's like how he like you know how he just like he knows everything he's like the ultimate sous chef like he's just uh, and I don't want to you know, sous chef means under chef, right? So like, he's my number one, right? He, he's not a sous chef, but he's like, just how he like integrates new plans and how we put in new menu items. He's so good at all that and, and being prepared and being ahead of the game and being just thoughtful, like having these people around me really helped and it helped us change because we weren't being successful. And I'm not talking about money here. I'm just talking about, customer happiness mm-hmm. and, and and this really helped us change the ship's direction got it so great so I, and I and for me like i had to learn to be better and in, in how i do and how i communicate and you know realizing these these people don't know me i walk in the restaurants i mean they may know me you know i try to know everybody but they don't know me intimately like a train mod 647 that's what i had learned my master's but now i'm trying to get my phd in a whole nother world right so i had to learn to like if i see something then I go and talk to, to a manager or you know senior management to help me fix that problem yeah. instead of me trying to fix it. I don't fix problems anymore. So right. you you're dropping a lot on us. So if you could distill in um, maybe one example or two examples, if you can think of two, of how they phys- they change the physical morphality. Of your business, the way your business looks on paper, the structure of your business, the process, mm-hmm. what changes did they bring? How did you move in that right well, direction? Well, they just, they inherently knew because they had the training that I never had. A lot of it was like consistency and production consistency and SOPs and better recipes, um, better, you know, multilingual recipes. Mateus speaks three languages, which is really nice. Um, you know, and then just, um, Building, Amy was really good at like building the team, identifying the people that wanted to grow. Um, 
So just kind of like things that like you don't really think about when you're like the the owner, you know, yeah. of a small business. It's, mm-hmm. it's it's just another world. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, the big thing I'm getting those is they put that structure in place. That yeah, missing. And you said you, you didn't feel like you were communicating earlier. Mm-hmm. Did you change? Did you add? Did you inject? Well, I told you what I did, but you just didn't understand it. As is that I was maybe passionate or you know intense about things uh, and not explaining myself well and i needed to better explain it and take a second think about what i wanted done and then give that to people then to do their job let people do their job hey manager x yeah you know hey carl i i'm thinking that i'm seeing this and i'd rather see it like that yes you know and have him then make figure out how to implement that. This is something that I'm going through right now with trying to grow my team is being the visionary as you are, right? And then delegating and then realizing that they're not delegating it to your expectation. Yeah. Or to they're not doing it the way you had envisioned. What how do you handle that? Well you have to get right with a lot of it and you have to figure out a way that you're better that we're all on the same page. You know, you have to you know, you have to make sure everybody's on the same page. And sometimes we're not. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I need to better explain myself, you know, and, and, and set expectations. But I pay these people. These people are paid very well, for, and they deserve every dime they make. But I want to. But I want to make. But like, so you're you're paying them to to be creative and to do that, and maybe not do it exactly as you would. And that's yep. okay. Yep. And it's okay if they don't do it the way you want it to be done. Sometimes, because mm-hmm. sometimes it's better. Yeah. <laughs> I think well, you have well, to be able well, to admit I, well, that. I don't want a robot. You know? Yeah. I want people with brains who. Who, who love this game. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, okay, the, the mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. You've definitely inspired us. You're yeah. 26 year old, years old. You opened your first place. <laughs> uh, you've been able to scale to what you have now to five, opening your sixth location. You've empowered us with the knowledge you, you, that you've learned to, yeah. to make this happen. This idea of transformation, though, um, part of what I'm trying to do with the podcast is really to inspire people to move into the future a little bit more intentionally. Uh, and not be as much of a reactive industry as we've been in the past. Sure. Um, what are the things that you think we need to do going forward that we could be better about as an industry? Uh, multiculturalism is big. What do you mean by that? We need to be multicultural in all levels of your restaurant, from your senior management all the way down, not just down, everywhere. Why? I, th- I think that's important. You look at any study, it'll show you that... Um, Businesses are more successful when they have more voices. Do you, do you um, have more any, di- different voices? Is there like a explanation for that? Do you think? Do you, do you know? Well, I just think that uh, do, do, having more knowledge about people. Look, there's, look, you look at studies. It says a more uh, you get you'll get more business based based on having more multi- multicultural. You know, people feel more comfortable. Yeah. So, I think that's important. Uh, I, I think that's a huge one. I really do. At least in Boston, I'm going to tell you, that's something that's on the forefront of my mind. Why do you think we were guilty of not doing that in the past? People hire like, people are more comfortable hiring like. Yeah. And they're not, and don't, they don't make the, they don't try. I agree 100%. I think that's really what it distills down to is we are hardwired to surround ourselves with people who are familiar like us. Culture, like we, we gravitate towards people who share the same beliefs, the same religion or whatever it is we're just more comfortable around those people but what's the the negative effect of that what do you mean 
Like, what's the if we are only surrounding ourselves with people like us? Yeah, then then you're just kind of a bunch of people like you, and the world is not, that's not how the world works. Especially when you live in a country that's fifty five percent one type of person, sure. right? Like, you're not you're you're not creating a lot of opportunity for other people. Sure. So you know? I, I just think that, I think that's really important. I just think focusing on your teams. Let me tell you what I think is really important that, we, that people should do. I challenge you to do this. Challenge anybody. Read your reviews and respond to them. Where do you like to find your reviews? Google. Yeah. And why is that so important? Google and Resi is what I look at. Resi just happens to be our, uh, reservation, our reservation system. Yeah. But if I had open table, I would say open table. I stay away from uh, I the managers deal with Yelp. <laughs> A little snarky. Yeah, it, but they're all the same. They're all, you know, look, most of them are good. Well, first of all, people, chefs get so upset about their, 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 their reviews. And trust me, before online reviews, there were reviews. You just didn't hear them. So now you get to hear them. And they're kind of a funhouse mirror of, of who you really are. You're not as good as your best one. You're not as bad as your worst one. Somewhere in between. And those yeah. stars will show you. But what I think is important is to um, communicate with the guests. And I love it. When they tell me something bad happens, I'm like, one, I try to win them back because I think that's a really cool challenge. Yeah. And two, uh, you know, I, I look, I don't, nobody gets fired over a review. But like when we start to see consistency... Of like we're you know we were for a while we were seeing some consistency of a slight issue at one of the restaurants and I'm like but the managers know I'm like I'm seeing this a consistent issue we need to look into this and it's important you know it's important to know that and I know it's it listen I get some real doozies and I what I do with the real doozy ones the really ones that are really really mean I write back a a really snarky reply and I read it and then I erase it. <laughs> And then I write something much better. Get it out of your system. <laughs> you know, but like, uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. But people should really do that. I, I cannot encourage that enough. And, I, and, and, and uh, I mean, I have thousands of reviews. And if you go to our Google reviews, you will see I've responded to it's every data. single one. Yeah, it's all data. It's all people giving you feedback. And it's data. And a lot of it's bullshit. But a lot of it yeah. carries weight, you yeah. know, and especially when you see a pattern. You know, it carries more weight when there's a pattern. Yeah. Uh, and then the last thing I see is technology, 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 technology. Uh, we have a uh, we have a robot at one of my restaurants. We got one of those uh, oh. uh, food runners. It's silly, but I can see that someday it might be something that which one? Uh, uh, it's that candle. Okay, yeah, it's a. It's a but which what's which robot did you guys? Go I don't even know. They, they just gave it to us. I don't want to say, <laughs> but like it's cool. We don't use it that much. We use it to actually take to go orders up front. Okay, but um, whatever you know. Like, but but that's not the technology I'm talking about, man. I you like I freaking love toast i think they're super cool i'm sure there's going to be other great companies that come out there you had a lot to say about swipely when we first oh yeah i used to love swipely but i get that now i can get that data from uh toast yeah Yeah. toast is awesome and like we're with the integration that happens they're really helping you integrate which makes life so much easier uh they're a great company so i'm a big fan of theirs boston based uh boston based yeah and um you know, I mean, I'm into data, so looking at, like, we're going to bring on a CRM, which is a customer relation uh, manager uh, loyalty program kind of thing. Are I you looking I'm, at a couple right now? Yeah. Can you share which one's your interest? No. Oh, man, okay. I don't want to give, no, 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 because they'll get mad at me. And, <laughs> and I like, I know that I'm really narrowing it down to two right now, so I'm just trying to figure it out. It's, it's been a year process. Um, Can you tell me off air? Sure. Okay. Um, 
so yeah, that kind of stuff. I just think any kind of technology, you know, QR codes. Uh, I personally love order pay. You know, when I can scan a thing and just walk out, tip and walk out, I think is so cool. Yeah, you know, I almost gave a, pl- a plug to one of my affiliates when you're talking about reviews and the significance of reviews. There's a tool out there you just, you just say QR codes. It's called Ovation, and it basically entices people to leave an, a review. It says, "Please leave a review," yeah. but it you it goes straight to you and nine times out of ten people leave a review just because they want to vent yeah they just want to get the fuck yeah. out you know yeah. like you should see though when i responded to Brezzy because people aren't expecting <laughs> that the owner is going to respond they yeah. can't believe it. It, it but like you're opening up that dialogue the yeah. communication with your guests you're going to get you know like great feedback mm-hmm. and also you're you're getting contact information sure. too so it's, sure. it's super valuable lean into that yeah. um so we we do have to bust out a speed round uh, any final thoughts before we we bust out the speed round take the one more last break. no let's do this all right we'll be right back recently on the show you've been hearing it come up often restaurant systems pro if you've become interested i highly recommend you sign up for the restaurant system pro 60 day pilot program this is something that's never been done before this 60 day event is at no cost to you but it's not for everyone Fred Langley, CEO of Restaurant Systems Pro, will be leading a group of restaurateurs through the Restaurant Systems Pro software and setting up the system for your restaurant. Fred will be leading the training, supporting you, and holding you accountable. Typically, this costs $10,000 a month to have Fred in your restaurant, but during this no-cost-to-you 60-day training, he will be teaching you every process he does during the group coaching sessions, and nothing will be held back. During the 60 days, Fred will walk you through the Restaurant Systems Pro process and help you crush the following goals recipe costing cards, guidance in your books for accounting, cash control, sales forecasting with accuracy, checklist, budgeting for the entire year, scheduling for profit, more butts in seats, and that's not it. Often, the team at Restaurant Systems Pro helps restaurateurs out pro bono because their hearts go out to these folks. I mean, it's hard out there, but because of that, a lot of the time these restaurateurs don't follow through because they have no skin in the game. For that reason, there is an application process. Only those serious about making change in their operation will be accepted into this program. Are you interested? Then go to restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. That's RSP for Restaurant Systems Pro. Restaurantunstoppable.com slash RSP. We are back, and the first question I have for you is, what is your it factor? A habit, a trait, a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? I don't even know the answer to that one. What is my it factor? Um, I think I'm just able to roll with it. You know, I think like I was uh, just going to say that. Yeah. Roll with it. You know? Yeah, man. You're just like, it is like this right now. Yeah. It, it, it is like this. What can I do? Just roll with the punches. Yeah. It's a very powerful uh, state of mind. What is your biggest weakness? Uh, I'm too quick sometimes. What is one question you ask or thing you look for when you're growing your team? I'm a pusher. So I'm a, I'm a blunt force object, so I like to see if they can be pushed, how, how hard they can do it. What is your biggest challenge today? My biggest challenge today? Hmm. I don't know. I don't really think of me. Uh, just growing, you know, and we're growing at a fast speed. So, you know, growing, which includes labor, is a challenge. But, uh, yeah. How are you um, overcoming it? Just being a really good operator, treating our teams with respect. Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team, a core value, a way to be. Community. 
What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your team? Something that's common within the four walls of your restaurants, but not common throughout the industry to go above and beyond what's expected from the guest. Treat everybody like grandma. Mm. That's, that's our mantra here. Treat everybody like grandma. Because grandma, you can tell her to pump the brakes. Hey, grandma, too much beer. Pump the brakes. <laughs> you know? So grandma's not always right. But, man, you got to treat her with and love. And you love the love, shit out of grandma. Yeah, love and reverence, right? Yeah. Doesn't mean she doesn't piss you off sometimes, yeah. but, you know. <laughs> what is one book that's a must-read to make us a better person or restaurant owner? Ooh. One book restaurant owner. Hmm. Well, I mean, I'll be Thrill the Grill, which I mentioned. Read my book, Pitmaster, of course. That's going to be great for you if you like barbecue. Um, no, let me be serious about this. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's been said a million times with Setting the Table, Danny Myers. How can you not say that book? It's there, pretty cool. Yeah, there's a reason why it's the, the most recommended you know, book on the show. It's good. But um, I, I would also say uh, Built to Last. Jim Collins, yep. right? Like that's some good stuff there. Like learning how to build a business and all the stories they tell, case studies. That's a pretty good book. Awesome. Uh, what is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? Take vacations and time off. Yep. Uh, you already kind of answered this question, but I'll let you echo. Uh, what is one piece of technology you recently adopted within your four walls that's had a huge impact on communication, operations, efficiency, profitability, anything along those lines? I mean, it's toast for us right now. Yep. Uh, and... This is the last question. It's yeah. a doozy. Get ready for it. Mm. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. Mm. All the memories of you, your work, and your restaurants would be lost with your departure. With the exception of three pieces of wisdom that you could leave behind for the good of humanity and for your legacy, what would those three pieces of wisdom be? Enjoy. Let me see. Enjoy. Focus. And relax. Beautiful. Enjoy, focus, and relax. And those are all things that I need to do better at. I'm pretty good at the enjoying part. but Chef Andy Husbands, <laughs> this has been a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much. It was great to reconnect with you, to go deeper, to really pull back the layers on you. You did that for sure. Uh, we wrap up every chat by calling somebody out. You've already mentioned a few people in today's episode, but who do you respect and admire? And if you found out this person was a guest on my show, just drop a knowledge. You'd absolutely listen to that episode. Mm, great question. Um... Well, not in the game anymore would be Jasper White. If you want to talk to him, let me know. I'll hook you up. All right. That guy knows more than anybody. He's so great. Uh, he's retired, though. That'd be um, and I think, <laughs> I think you need to talk to Chris Coombs. Yeah, you called him out last time. No. You really, yeah, you did. And you know what? I would love to reconnect with him. I'm doing this thing right now. The show has evolved so much. It's been almost 10 years. I feel like I've gotten so much better at interviewing. The format of the show has changed. Yeah. And I had some big players early on. The show, Chris Coombs was one of those dudes. You were one of those dudes. Uh, and I just want to go deeper. You yeah. know, I, want, I feel like I, I, I blew my load like, on like, these great like, names, and I'm like, I need to go back and do that again. What about Jamie Biss? You do him yet? Yeah, twice. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's great. Um, so I would love to get Chris Coombs back. Yeah, just um, send me an email. Jasper I'll, I'll White, first time mentioned on the show, too, so I'm excited about that. I would love to make that happen. Yeah, I mean, because he's not in the game anymore, but I, I think he's got, besides, I mean, the many, many years he has of knowledge of working the business, I think he's got a good kind of idea of, like, what's happening now. Like, I think he's got feelings about it, so I don't know. Yeah, um, he's always welcome back, obviously. And um, this has been great, man. Thank you yeah. so much. Thank uh, you. And if we want to come join your team, if we feel inspired by you, uh, if we want to follow you, what's the best way to connect and follow you? 
I mean, uh, if you I mean, come check out our website, of course, the smokeshopbarbecue.com. Um, you'll see a lot of stuff there. Uh, I teach lots of classes, um, so you're welcome to come and learn barbecue. Uh, and uh, for you know, Instagram at Andy Husbands, check me out. You see me and my family and my my food and my barbecue life. Beautiful. This is episode nine four two. 942 head over to restaurant unstoppable.com slash 942 for a summary of today's discussion as well as any links to tools services or books that were recommended and of course andy's books the links will be over there as well again that's 942 restaurant unstoppable.com slash 942 chef andy husband my man thank you so much thank you Uh, i can't do what i do without people like you there is no questioning you are unstoppable thanks cheers There's another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Special thanks to our guest today, Chef Andy Husbands. And I really loved reconnecting with Chef Andy. This is something that I want to start doing more of, you know, almost a thousand episodes into this. And um, one of the biggest lessons I've learned is in business, it's not about how many people you know, it's about who you know and being really intentional with your relationships and resurfacing and coming back to old friends and picking up where you left off and strengthening those relationships. And this is something I want to start doing more of as we go into the future of Restaurant Unstoppable is asking myself, who did I really enjoy talking to? Who do I know if I got back on the show and uh, I have rapport with somebody we can go deep in the past five years since we last had you on the show, or maybe even longer, the past eight years, how have you evolved as a professional? How's your business evolved? And I think that we're going to get some really great conversations out of this. And I think one of the big takeaways from today's conversation, Tremont 647, uh, it's a concept like that is hard to scale. It's a very complex, a lot of moving parts, a lot of people-dependent situations. And uh, I think he's learned that you know you can scale something that focuses do you know on doing a few things really well uh, and consistently over time, and I I just love these levels of growth that we're seeing in our guests, and hopefully we'll unlock more nuggets like this. And if you are enjoying this podcast, please support this show. There's a ton of ways you can support the show. You can support our sponsors. You can use our affiliate links. You can come hang out at Restaurant Unstoppable Network. That's RestaurantUnstoppableNetwork.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're putting a lot of time and energy into making our YouTube channel much better. And uh, if you haven't subscribed, please head over there and do that. Much shorter, bite-sized content over there if that's more your speed. And then uh, lastly, just share the word. Tell everybody and anyone you know aspiring to be great in the restaurant industry to listen to this podcast. Uh, We can't do it without your downloads. And I cannot say goodbye without saying thank you to the people that make Restaurant Unstoppable possible. Sam over at SavinSam.com for his social media work and videography with me on the road and Jared over at Sumadre podcast for all of the editing and copywriting he's doing. Uh, it's been a lot of fun to grow with these folks and I can't wait to continue to grow with them into the future. That's it for today. Until next time, peace out.